So, Pocho, I saw Now You See Me this weekend. Okay, I have heard two diametrically opposed mini-reviews from friends on that already, and I, I want to see it. I mean, it, I saw the trailer a while ago, and I've wanted to see it. So, what's your verdict? My verdict, it was uh, high-action, uh, high-paced. Uh, I'm not entirely sure everything made sense, but they convinced me enough for uh, two hours. Okay. Uh, I think on multiple viewings... Uh, possibly holes would be uh revealed i think there were some surprising little twists and then i think the twist at the end was completely unsuspected definitely left me with some okay, one so, or two questions so is, it a, is it a deus ex machina sort of thing or is it or does it be like okay i can kind of see that it is not a deus ex machina um okay I can kind of see it. I, it. It leaves me with one question, really, that I guess they don't have to answer. Um, okay. But uh, the only those... thing that got me that I dislike is the forced love story that it was like an hour and a half in. They were like, crap, we don't have a oh, love story. It was the Hollywood Let's... needs to have a love story sort of right. thing. So okay. suddenly these two characters are kissing and you're like, what? Okay, what? so uh, <laughs> how would you compare it to uh, Ocean's Eleven? Uh, Ocean's Eleven. Yes. I would say they're very different movies. Okay, very different. Okay, I, I heard a previous, like, to me, watching the preview, it made me think it's like, oh, it's like Ocean's Eleven with magic. And a review, uh, one of my friends mentioned it in the same breath, and then another one of my friends was like, yeah, it wanted to be and wasn't. So one friend really liked it, and one friend definitely did not. <laughs> Um, and they both had completely different qualitative things to say about it as well. So, um, so I don't know how much of that linkage between enjoyment and qual and quality was there or not in each right. of their assessments. Um, but so I'll probably see it at some point. I need to actually see what's in theaters. Cause when I do have time to go watch a movie, I kind of look and see what's available and what I want to see more at that time. Um, I saw... Fast and Furious 6. <laughs> um, my cousin made me go on Tuesday, I guess it was. He made me go. I had never seen a single one in the, in the series before. I was not interested, but he really wanted to go, so I went with him. Wow, that movie was hilarious. And at times it was intentional, and at times it clearly was not. Um, there were definitely a couple of times where I was, like, shaking from how hard I was trying. Like, I was laughing and trying to keep quiet, and I was the only person in the theater who was like, even thought it was even mildly funny. Um, and well, and then there were those scenes, like once I started, it was like my cousin kind of realized how funny it was and he started to laugh too. But like, and it wasn't like he was faking it. It was more of a, Oh, I did not realize how absurd that was until you started laughing kind of a thing. Um, it was not, not filmmaking at its best. Um, but it was entertaining. I, I cannot say that I, came out of that being like, wow, that was miserable. I want that time back. I was like, okay, that was kind of hilarious. And I enjoyed the time there, if not because of the quality of the movie, you know? Um, but I heard it was the biggest opening of the series, which means they're definitely going to do another one. And they had a yeah. a stinger during the credits that clearly they already know where they're going with, with the next one. And they're actually tying it into previous ones that a previous one that looked to all intents and purposes looks completely disconnected from the rest of the series up until now. So they're using it as a way to tie it back, which seems clever. But, um, 
Anyways, I also saw most of Real Steel, which I had not seen before, and I know you're oh. a big fan of. Uh, what? Did I say I was a big fan of that movie? You weren't? No, Meredith is a big fan of that oh, movie. Oh, I thought, okay, one of you, maybe it was Meredith. I, I saw one of you say something, like, way back when, that it was just really fun. Like, it, Okay, it was fun. My problem is the movie with the movie is that Hugh Jackman is too unsympathetic. Mm, I buy that. I buy that. But, uh, man, th- I think the big thing is, like, I was sitting there when I was watching it, and every single time I wanted to say something negative about it, I just started smiling. And I was like, eh, you know, it's doing something right. And every time I, like, I see something and I think it's silly, and before I even get, bring, like, get up the nerve to say something about it, I just, like, something else happens in the movie that just makes me really enjoy whatever's going on. So, it was one of those movies. But it's not, not an incredible film either. Um, then... Finally, I saw Upstream Color, which I told you about before, was by the same guy who made uh, Primer, which you need to see. Uh, I've seen Primer. Oh, you have seen. Okay, but you haven't. So Upstream Color is awesome. Um, It is totally different. Like, Primer is sort of cold and clinical, and Upstream Color is, like, diametrically opposed. Like, it's all emotion and warmth and, like... Uh, and it's very much the kind of movie where I'm pretty sure no matter how many rewatchings you put forward, there isn't like a clear, this is how it all works in the physical world sort of thing. While primer, there's a very set timeline that's just really complicated, you know? So definitely recommend checking out Upstream Color, but it's, it's a, it's almost like Shane Carruth wanted to show that he could do the opposite thing. Like he's not a one trick pony sort of thing. And he he did in my book. Like I think it's just as good a movie, and totally different. Um, it's like a it feel when you're watching it. It feels like it's a successor to Primer without being anything at all like Primer. If that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, yes. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's it's really good, it, and it's very much like when you watch it. The there's a long stretch that's really gross, and it's going to make you really uncomfortable. Just power through it. Because I remember thinking in my head, oh gosh, I hope the rest of the movie is not based on this gross element, and it's not. So it just keeps going. Um, so it, it is, it's essential to the story, but it doesn't carry on. Like, it doesn't carry on. So the rest of the movie is easier to digest, stomach-wise. Good um, to know. Yes. Uh, I, I do wish somebody had told me that ahead of time, because <laughs> I was I was really worried for a while that I was going to end up hating the movie just because the rest was going to be like that, regardless of its quality. Um, uh, yeah, so there's those. Um, I, I don't know that I've actually consumed much else this week. Um, Let's oh, see. I know, I played a bunch more Dragon Age Origins, or not Dragon Age Origins, that's the first one, Dragon Age 2, which... That's a game that got a ton of criticism when it came out. Uh, it's it's very clearly separated into three acts, and I am just at the end of Act 1 now, or just at the beginning of Act 2, rather. Um, and apparently the biggest criticism that everybody had was that there's no new areas. Like, once you get through all the areas in Act 1, you revisit those same places. But with the way that the story has gone in this game, that is a weak criticism. Like... Who cares? Like, that's not the point. Like, so much of it is just the storytelling, the way all the characters get fleshed out. Every single side quest I do is something I want to do because I want to see, like, how it affects the characters that I'm with and even just, like, the little side, the side characters. And there's so much meat to the game. Like, all the side quests feel like they're significant. They, they don't feel 
none of it feels like you're just wasting time trying to get to the next point. And you do feel like if you didn't want to do the side quest, you could just ignore them and it wouldn't drag on at all. And I, I think that that's really, really neat. Um, it is made by Bioware, who is the same developer who makes the Mass Effect games. Um, but it's magic, like Lord of the Rings type magic, but really bloody. Um, so, yeah. So there's that. And I, oh, and I also resumed, finally resumed the 3DS Kingdom Hearts game, which, uh, I'm really enjoying, but man, the gameplay is aggravating. Which, which game is that? Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3D, which is Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. Ah. Um, it is the one where if you taught, like, so they had this convoluted mess of the way the stories linked together in the previous games. Like, it was Kingdom Hearts 1, then Chain of Memories took place right after 1, then 2 overlapped with Chain of Memories, then Kingdom Hearts, uh, was it 358 over 2 days? Which that is, one made me cry. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> that was a pretty sad, sad one. That takes place during, like, the first few, like, the first few, first little bit, uh, or, it, maybe it's, the, oh no, it takes place during Chain of Memories, and ends at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2. So it's like, so it's a kind of super close together, kind of, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a weird sort of thing. Um, then they also had another game, which was originally a phone game, and got put out on the DS later, uh, Kingdom Hearts Coded, which on the DS came out as Recoded. Um, that ties together, like, it takes place, I believe, I think it's actually more or less like a simulation or something, I forget now, like, the story to it wasn't all that important, but the epilogue to it tied together all the previous games, which included the PSP game, which was a prequel to all the Kingdom Hearts games, like a distant prequel. Um, so, so all of those form some kind of like ball of story that weaves in and out. And then Kingdom Hearts 3D takes place like at the block of all those. Cause like once you play Recoded, it ties up that ball together. It finishes tying the, like the yarn ball of Kingdom Hearts together. And then it's just like a direct step forward from that ball to 3D which is supposed to step forward to 3, which they haven't announced yet and haven't said what they're going to put it on and may not have even started work on yet. But, uh, yes. Con- convoluted stories. Um, so, anyways, yes, what else did you go through? Uh, I am in the middle of a trilogy, uh, by a fantasy trilogy, uh, by N.K. Jemison. That is super good. Uh, the book's... Uh, you know, I don't know what the trilogy is called. Does it, does it say on this book? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, oh, the Inheritance Trilogy. That's what it's called. Oh, it's the uh, other Inheritance. Yeah, uh, apparently. Uh, but the first book is The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms. That, that uh, trilogy is in my, uh, on my wish list. So. It is very good so far. Cool. Uh, you know, it's not often we get epic fantasy written from the first person perspective. Uh, the only other book I can think of is The Name of the Wind. Uh, Which is so, partially, mostly written in first-person perspective. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's just, like, it's it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. I don't want to give anything away. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the premise is, you know, it's a second-world fantasy. Uh, you, This is a world where uh, gods and 
people, gods are very much real and uh, they interact with people. But the interesting situation um, that is made clear from the beginning is at one point there was a war uh, between the gods and uh, a god died. Um, and then another god was uh, – the, the story they're told is that two gods rose up against another god, uh, the the sun god, if you will. The sun god killed one of those gods and enslaved the other one. Okay. Um, so they're actually uh, – the ruling people on this planet have gods in their service who are slaves to them. Gods. Interesting. Okay, uh, with because they're all sorts they, of crazy power. Because they worship the gods who enslaved the other ones. Right. So okay. they worship the sun god who enslaved the other gods and told them that the part of their punishment, the is god's punishment, people. is to serve these people to do whatever they say. Um, so these people basically rule the entire world. Um, because what happens when you have gods to do your bidding and nobody else does? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Makes perfect uh, so sense. So okay. it's a very interesting premise. You know, you start out with a, a girl who comes in from far away, uh, who is not as familiar with everything. So it's a good way to keep you grounded. Um, she has N.K. Jemison has a very interesting way of telling the story. There's a lot of it, it seems very fragmented at first because uh, it's like the narrator interrupts herself um, with other thoughts, uh, it, but it. If you can get past that like first chapter, you're going to enjoy these books. Sounds good. Um, so they're very enjoyable. I haven't reached the end yet, so uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, my what? What else? Oh, I, you don't watch Merlin, do you? No, not at all. Okay, it, so it's, we, it's over now, right? Yes, okay. we had the series finale of Merlin on Friday. Um, <laughs> I cried. I was angry. You know, I had all the range of emotions. Uh, there, there because was so those are the much... only two emotions, right? There. No, I'm just sure. <laughs> those, those are the only two emotions you can have in a series finale. I feel <laughs> like uh, you're rarely happy, right? Um, but no, the characters made me cry. I was uh, pretty happy at the end of the Smallville season finale, but I haven't gotten there yet. I know. <laughs> uh, the, the bromance was so thick, you could cut it with a knife, uh, because everyone knows that, with, that Merlin is really the show of bromance. Uh, <laughs> there, yes, there are some points where I was just like, Arthur, just tell Merlin you love him already. <laughs> uh, but those, that line was never uttered, much to my uh, sadness. But Arthur did thank Merlin, so that was nice. Um, I, I can't decide if this is a spoiler or not. Um, <laughs> So, 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 Michael, how do you think a story about King Arthur would end? Um, with, oh, I don't know. Um, how do stories about King Arthur always end? Sad? Right, because uh, what happens, <laughs> if you could figure out, it's not a spoiler. If you can't figure it out, it's obviously well, a spoiler. Well, okay, so the problem it. is, it's been a while since I've read any Arthurian legend, and I, okay, I don't remember. What is the name of the definitive French Arthurian legend? It's oh written in French. Um, it's written in French. The title's in French, I should say. It's not written in I don't oh. think the story was actually written in French. The title is in French. I, I genuinely don't know, or I don't okay. remember. It's, it's called La Morte d'Arthur. Oh, I knew that. Okay, yes. The, the death of Arthur. <laughs> right. So, so what... So yeah, so Arthur either, dies. That's what he, I'm he getting always, at. Does he, is it always that he 
does he are there some versions where he goes to like essentially sleep for good kind of a thing or is it always or no he no. always dies he always dies uh he he's always supposed to come back because Mer- that's Arthur what it is he's Jesus. supposed to come back right uh okay. right um so arthur died at the end which i think took some people by surprise um they weren't expecting it and- i'm pretty sure that if i was watching a series based on arthur i would probably get to the point where i remembered that bit because i probably would have reread anything <laughs> but uh yeah. yes uh, so, on the one hand, I wasn't sure they were going to do it, because this was a kid's show, or a family show, I should say. Uh, it's a, it's much like Doctor Who. It's aimed at that same... Uh, but you can have sad stuff in that. Right. Like Doctor uh, Who. So, I wasn't, I wasn't sure that they were going to kill, you know, our hero, uh, but they did. Uh, so... It was super sad. Uh, there was one huge plot hole that still drives me insane. Um, a plot hole that could have saved Arthur, nonetheless. <laughs> and then the ending was interesting. Uh, but all in all, I think my review of the series of Merlin is that it was a great show with, you know, as always, some terrible episodes and some t- fantastic episodes. Uh, but what really drove that show was the friendship between Merlin and Arthur. So the last episode, that was pretty much what it was about. And, you know, it, it wasn't all action. There were a lot. It, in fact, there was very little action. There was a lot of quiet moments between Arthur and Merlin, a lot of emotional moments. Uh, because I, I don't know if you know the premise of the show. Do, do you, Michael? That, Not really. Not so the, the premise is magic is illegal. Oh, um, okay. So Arthur has no idea Merlin is a wizard. Uh, like the entire time. The entire time. Wow. And doesn't find out until the very last episode. Uh, so when he finds out, uh, it was very emotional. Arthur broke my heart at times. It, it was a very realistic reaction, though, I think, from Arthur. Um, so, yeah, I, I think overall they did a good job. I'm sad it's over. I could have used some more Arthur Merlin, uh, Gawain, Percival, all the whole gang. I loved them all. Um, so was this, uh, from what I've seen of it, 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 it was done like in the time period and stuff like that. It's not like a modernized sort of thing. It's no, not, it's, it's not it's Sherlocked not, up. It's not Sherlocked up. Uh, there are definitely modernizations to it. Uh, like, uh, uh, in some ways casting is colorblind, uh, which oh, okay. isn't necessarily true of that time period. Right. Uh, but that's okay. I, I meant more of a, like just time it, takes yeah. place at, yeah. yeah you know are are there anachronisms yes it's a television show uh but it's supposed to take place in uh you know the time of albion which right. is you know when there were saxons and all that kind of stuff gotcha. okay. um so yeah it takes place back then uh merlin and arthur are the same age uh which is the twist right that uh so everyone was kind of afraid it was going to be like uh Merlin's you know arthur Arthur 91210, but it wasn't. There's really not a lot of romance for a uh, in that show. Uh, there, I mean, there's the Gwen Arthur romance. but um, Which should be there. Because, right. Yeah. Uh, it didn't turn into Smallville? No, it did not. It is not by any means Smallville. Uh, if anything, it is the show of bromance, not romance. Right, right. right. Uh, it's, it's all about... Although I heard, um, what's it called, is also like that, um, Supernatural. Yeah, which I haven't watched. Yet, I haven't watched I, that yet, but I will. I, I think you, you know, one day you should get around to watching Merlin. It's only five seasons. Also, they're British seasons, so they're not like twenty episodes each. <laughs> okay, so it's five. I, for um, some reason, I thought the first it was more three are on Hulu. I think. Okay. What? More than five seasons? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. No, more than this. Then. 
this was season five and it ended. Um, so yeah, that was Merlin. Let's see. What else have I consumed lately? Uh, not much. Things have been pretty, I mean, I've been reading, uh, I've read a lot of books recently, but, um, <laughs> anything that's like on the top of your mind or anything. Nope. Uh, I mean, if there's anything that's on the top of my mind, comics wise, it's probably the last young Avengers comic, which came out what almost two weeks ago. And it's still like with me. Um, for a couple of reasons. I think I think I talked about this last time. Yes. Might, that it made me cry. Because yes. uh, it reminded me of Journey in the Mystery. Right. But also, and then I mentioned that I want to read Journey in the Mystery and have it and so on. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but going back to the Young Avengers aspect of the story and not just the Kid Loki aspect, uh, there was some very emotional pains in there. Uh, you know, like just images. Um, and it's a it's a good story, and I'm really excited for the next issue uh, because Speed is coming back, which doesn't mean anything to you. <laughs> no. But uh, he's one of the okay, so he's not an original Young Avenger. There are four original Young Avengers. May- maybe we can say there are six if we're gonna say that it took till the end of the first story arc to get your full team. Uh, but there is a character from the second story arc. Uh, second first. I can't even remember now. Uh, Speed, uh, who disappeared <laughs> from the Young Avengers. And, I mean, it's not that he disappeared. They kind of explained that he left. Um, and there, there was a logical reason for it. But he's coming back, and I'm pretty excited about that. He's not, he's not even my favorite character. I'm just excited to have him back on the team because it in, adds an interesting dynamic between him and my favorite character, which is surprisingly not Kid Loki. Um, my, my favorite Young Avenger is Wiccan, who is... Uh, so, so Wiccan and Speed are the Scarlet Witch's twin sons. Right. Uh, so Wiccan has Scarlet Witch's powers and Speed has Quicksilver's powers. Um, but they're not really, like, they're not, it's very complicated. It's very, it's comics, right? Like, they're not really her twin sons. Like, they were actually born from different parents. <laughs> but they look exactly the same and uh, they are clearly contain the souls and have the same names as her twin sons. Uh, so they're kind of twin brothers, but they're kind of not. Um, it's very complicated. But I'm still excited to have Speed come back. Um, also in comics, I'm super sad that we had to wait so long for another Hawkeye um, and Guardians of the Galaxy. You know what? <laughs> I want my Guardians of the Galaxy, and I didn't get it last week, and I'm kind of upset. Speaking of Guardians, right. there was some news on that front, wasn't there? There were several things released. Uh, first off, Glenn Close cast as the head of the Nova Corp, which uh, or I, so, I guess so I know basically nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it is one of the complete just like black holes in my comics thing. I don't okay. know anything. So the Nova Corps uh, are the Green Lanterns of the Marvel Universe. Um, and Makes what's sense. In- okay. what's interesting is that according to comic book lore or canon or whatever you will have, uh, they're historically until this year or until 2012, there was only ever one human Nova. Uh, and that was um, <sighs> writer, something writer, something that starts with an R writer. Uh, I want to say Richard Ryder, but I don't think that's right. Um, 
but he was the human Nova, the only human Nova. And he and the Guardians of the Galaxy died defending the universe from Thanos. Uh, but somehow the Guardians of the Galaxy are back. And uh, that Nova is not. And the new Nova is Sam Alexander, who is a kid. So it's very much like a Spider-Man story, but what if Spider-Man was the Green Lantern? Because uh, <laughs> okay. uh, he's like 15. Um, except they want us to believe that Sam's dad was a Nova, uh, which is interesting because before we were supposed to believe there was only one human Nova. But why this is interesting is because there has been some insinuation that both Glenn Close's character and the other character they cast as a Nova are supposed to be human. So it's kind of like, huh. So how are they going to do that? How are they going to do that? Why would the leader of the Nova Corps be human? Right? That doesn't make, really make sense, does it? That doesn't make any sense. So I'm hoping Glenn Close is actually an alien, just some sort of humanoid and alien. And just not letting us know. Yeah. Um, or it's distant future. Or it's distant future, which, uh, you know, whatever. Um, there's no mention of Ryder or Sam Alexander being in the movie. Um, but it's interesting because Nova, the new Nova... Uh, Sam Alexander is one of the my weekly polls, if you will, uh, comics. Uh, I, I not weekly, monthly, whatever. Right. I, I read it's it on, on your poll list. Basis. It's on my poll list. I read it on a monthly basis. So is Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy are our uh, extraterrestrial Avengers, uh, where their leader, um, the Star Lord, is half human, half not, uh, an alien race that looks human, okay. but isn't. Uh, so his dad is basically like uh, emperor of several systems. Uh, he, I would say he's like emperor of the universe, except clearly he's not because there are like six different empires in Marvel Galactic Universe, right? Well, first off, there's the Asgard, uh, and then there's the Scrolls and the Chitari and all that kind of business. And then this is like your humanoid humans empire is what his dad is the leader of and the backstory there is his dad crash landed on earth uh kind of had like an affair with his mother and then got taken back and so um peter quill grew up on earth um and then his home was attacked his mother was killed uh somehow he ended up in space leading the guardians who are like a ragtab group of uh in many ways rejects put together uh who are just kind of like mercenaries um Peter's dad really wants him to come be hair prince, air, hair. I always say hair. I'm really sorry. Air prince of the galaxy. But Peter doesn't want to because he has daddy issues and his dad's kind of a jerk. Oh my gosh, that um, sounds so much like a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, there, so there are several characters in there, one of which is um, Gamora, who is uh, green. Right. The, and so I know that character. And she's. Uh, the one that Lieutenant Uhura is playing. Right. Uh, there's Rocket Raccoon, uh, okay. who is a talking raccoon. Right. I'm familiar with... So I'm familiar... Because you know they're doing the uh, the Infinite Comics for free on Comixology? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been grabbing those, and it has, like, one episode introducing... Or one... Each character. E- yeah. Each character is introduced with one. And so I've gathered just a tiny bit. Um, they have... I, I would recommend reading The Guardians. Um, I'm sorry. My no, phone no worries. Right. That's okay. Uh, should I answer it or ignore it? Uh, we're probably not going to be on for much longer. So I'm long just going to ignore it. Okay. <laughs> but let's let it finish ringing before... Oh, you can it's, continue. It's, it's not too loud in the background. And, okay. Well. Uh, I would recommend picking up 
what we have now. Granted, the story arc's not over yet, so I don't know if it's going to be amazing or not. Uh, but if you do read Guardians of the Galaxy, definitely start with the point one issue for those of us who are not familiar with them. Okay. Uh, the point one issue explains Peter Quill's backstory, uh, and it's just a really good little story uh, on its own. But I really like it. The art's pretty good. The story seems good. Uh, Tony Stark is in it. Uh, he has taken a vacation from the Avengers and has joined the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a terrible vacation. Which, yeah, that's, that's not <laughs> much of a vacation. He wanted to see the universe, and somehow he's still on Earth because they're defending the Earth that the Guardians of the Galaxy are. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about the movie. Uh, I really like the... N- I, I want to go back and read all of the old Nova comics with uh, the old Nova. Um, that That's my next thing on Marvel Unlimited. I want to go back and read. Uh, and, and I am planning a Nova cosplay for Dragon Con because that's the kind of person I am. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't know if it'll work out because it involves a helmet and the, uh, the helmet's only partly there. And if I can't get it all the way there, I'm making the helmet. So we're extending the abilities of my crafting. Right. Uh, I guess, actually, just speaking of comics, uh, I really wish I had done what you did and not caught up with uh, The Unwritten, because I every single time a new issue comes out and I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want the next one right now. So, I'm still waiting, man. I'm holding out. That is, uh, yeah. And I think I'm going to start buying them in the trades, because I'm like, this is probably something... Yeah, with as much money I'm spending on this, I'm probably going to just wait until there's hardbacks and buy it again that way. Yeah, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if there's going to be hardbacks, though. I feel like it's not popular it enough might not be, but... to warrant that. So I might just go ahead and spring for the trades. Plus, the trades are cheaper, and I can't afford to buy. <laughs> well, I, I guess really what I'm waiting for is like an omnibus set at the end. Uh, so whether it's hardbacks or just a really big paperback or yeah. as close to it, I'll do that. But uh, uh, Indestructible Hulk, pretty darn good. Um, I've heard good things about it. It is it's Mark Wade's Hulk and it's eight issues in and it is really good. Um yeah. It's it's ridiculously smart and really, really good. And it's it's very uh Yeah, like, so the the basic idea is that in the very beginning Bruce Banner like, you know, Shield is hunting him down and whatnot, and Bruce Banner is like here I am, here's a deal. I'm getting really, really tired of being on the run and having to spend all my energy being on the run. So instead, because like, and he's super jealous of Tony Stark and some other people who are not quite as smart as him, but are doing all these amazing things to improve the world. And so he's like, you know what? I want to be able to do that. So if you guys give me a team and fund me and stop chasing after me, I will give you a miracle a week, <laughs> essentially. And so he's just, you know, curing diseases and doing all kinds of other stuff while going on adventures and also being a, in his words, a cannon you can aim. So seems, seems like a good deal. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Shield definitely comes out ahead on that deal. I think. I I don't know why they didn't come up with it before. Well, it was more him deciding to, right? Yeah. He's like, look, I can just hook out right now and get out again, or we can do this thing. (laughs) And it sounds smart. Um, uh, Smallville season 11 is still shaping up to be pretty interesting. Um, they're doing this. So, Smallville season eleven is a straight to digi- straight to digital comic. There's no analog version, and oh. um, so it's it's weekly, and it's like a full issue weekly, which is pretty cool. Um, which also means it's expensive, but it's also ninety nine cents an issue. It's so, weekly. It's weekly, and it's ninety nine ninety nine cents an issue, but it's just as many pages as like a real comic. So um, yeah, it, it's weekly. I think there have been a few breaks, sort of like you know when you do a 
TV series, like, you'll have a few breaks here and there. But uh, they're doing it a lot like a TV show, essentially. Um, it's pretty enjoyable, and they, they do this thing where they'll have two storylines going concurrently. So, like, one issue will be one storyline, and the other issue will be, you know, the parallel storyline, and they're separate characters. So, like, you might have Clark doing stuff with some people, and then some other characters from Smallville doing something else in the other story. Um, it's pretty cool. They've done tons of expansion as far as, like, involving Justice League characters and so on, because they can. Um, Batman came into it. Uh, they've got a whole bunch of other characters that have come into it, so it's pretty neat. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, what, uh, oh, Insufferable, which is free online, but I'm paying for it. It's Mark Wade's free comic on his current online thing. I can't think of what he's actually, what it's called, but, uh, but it's a free made for the computer or made for digital comics sort of thing. And, um, it's a pretty cool story about essentially what is a Batman and Robin team, but it's a father and son team and they're estranged from the get go. Yeah. And the son is kind of a punk and the dad is obviously like stubborn and just like, he's like the worst of Batman while the younger dude is just like really just the worst of a punk of an upstart punk. And it's kind of the two of them being taken on by some external thing. And they're in the first main storyline, like just finished. So, uh, with the most recent thing. And so they're getting ready to start up another complete arc, but it's pretty cool. Um, so other news though, there was the, uh, I, when I was bringing up the guardians of the galaxy thing, there was also a, Doctor Who related announcement separately yes. from the actual Doctor Who announcement. Yes, uh, Karen Gillan has been cast in Guardians of the Galaxy, possibly as a villain. Which is exciting because I don't like her, and I would love to see her as a villain. Because you I don't just, like her. Okay, that's not true. I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't like Amy. There's a difference to not liking but, the but actress. But I think she was actually a really. I think she did a great job of playing Amy. I just didn't like the character Amy. So I do like her. I think she could do a villain really, really well. Um, yes. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm excited to see that. And then, separately from that, there was the Doctor Who announcement that yes, so Matt Smith will be leaving the show at the end of the year, which actually makes it four years, right? Uh, let's see. There was season five, season six. This is season seven, right? right? But, but did they go over more than... Did they actually do it on year divides? Because, like, Matt's... Or, Doctor Who doesn't work on year divides. Right, exactly. So I'm talking actual, like, chronico- chronological number of years he was playing the part. Rather oh, than, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I think it was four. But, yeah, so that, that's exciting. Um, and to think that that's going to happen at the end of the special, which is going along with the 50th anniversary, so there's going to be lots of multiple Doctors stuff. So who knows? Maybe they'll even show us the next Doctor at that, like you know, at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this. I'm of the same thought process of you that it doesn't bother me when the doctor changes. Um, because that is, uh, since the second doctor or since like after the first regeneration, that's been part of the show. That's just how it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a great, it's, it's a really good way to potentially keep the show fresh. Yeah, you know, and and I was sad when David Tennant left because he was my first doctor, and so people are going to be sad Matt Smith left because he is a lot their of first. first doctor, um, and that that's just the way of the business. I just really wish Stephen Moffat would leave. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I don't think there's much that we can say on that other than that because we already talked about it last week about how we don't yeah. really care for Stephen Moffat's 
Doctor Who all that much. Um, exactly. I mean, now that said, I still love the show, but I think it would be better without Moffat. Um, I, you know, I completely it, agree. I should say it. <laughs> I shouldn't say it would be. It could definitely be better without Moffat. Yeah, I, I mean, you could always be do worse. worse so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not at rock bottom yet. No. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, I, it'll be interesting to get another year of Moffat. Uh, I, make, I feel sad that some other actor is going to be sullied with Moffat's writing. Um, and, and, I, and we did mention, you and I were discussing this on Twitter, I really would have loved to see Matt Smith with, like, with Davies in charge of him, or, yeah. you know, I, it just, that would have been really nice to yeah. see, because uh, cause he would have helped define him as a completely different, like, I, I, like, I love Matt Smith, but he's almost too similar in his quirkiness to yeah. Tennant, like, and that, like, the quirky aspect is so similar without being, a not, like, he doesn't feel like an, an entirely different doctor. He feels like a sort of, like, half-in, half-out sort of thing to me, but, um, which is not his fault at all, like, as no. an actor, so. It's, it's, I, I feel like he's slightly different. I definitely feel like they've gotten confused. You, you know my feelings about this yeah, past yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not... They're not all good. Uh, I hope they do something with Clara, though, because she's sticking around for another year, and you got to make her a real person, or else, you know... Which, and I want to make it clear, like, I've been going back, and I've been re-watching the beginning of the series, because I've gotten multiple other people into it, and so I watch it with them whenever they happen to be watching, and there's a lot of stuff, like, I love Eccleston, but there's a lot of weirdness in that, like, oh, in the first season definitely. that has come a long way, like... Of course, the first season had no budget because they had no idea if it was gonna how how well it was going to do, and that expanded a lot with series two. But um, so, like the special effects are basically just terrible, and there's all kinds of like tongue in cheekness. But the serious stuff they got they did really well. Like Eccleston felt real. Um, yes, he felt like Indeed. he felt like an actual character that was consistently written, and Rose did too. Yeah, um, and I and I think it's an interesting thing of the Davies era is yes, there were some truly terrible episodes in there. Absolutely, truly terrible. There were some amazing episodes, and some of those amazing episodes were Stephen Moffat's. Mm-hmm. But as a showrunner, I feel like Russell did a better job of consistent characterization, believable character growth, because uh, because that's all showrunner direction, you know, like right. saying this is where we're headed for the end. And there were some truly phenomenal episodes in there. And Stephen Moffat was not responsible for all of them. Uh, the Doctor dances—that's a first season episode. That is great. It's uh, you know, there are not great parts in it, uh, but as as a two-parter, that's a really good two-parter. That's where we get our introduction of Jack. That's where we get the "How are you, my mummy?" Uh, <laughs> storyline. That that that. That gave us great characterization for the Doctor um, and Rose and their relationship. Yeah. And and, uh, and honestly, like, they, they just, I guess with with Davies, too, is I, I heard, and I'm not sure if it's completely accurate, but I heard he actually rewrote quite a bit of episodes, even when they were written by other people. And that may actually, if that's true, that may explain a lot for how consistently the characters were written. Because it would basically give him, like, yeah, you know what, that doesn't really, that line doesn't fit that character, or that's not really how he would act in that case, sort of, sort of thing. While Moffat seems to be much more hands-off on terms of, like, individual episodes, which is kind of weird, because yeah. he's a which really good episode I, I think it suffers from, uh, because <laughs> yeah. there's inconsistent characterization. I mean, Neil Gaiman's episode this past half a season, I, 
I don't want to talk about the plot details, but Clara characterization wise, it was out of nowhere. It was yes, it was completely random. Um, which is just because his previous episode was fantastic. Right. And so. he I mean, he's a good writer yes, in general. And so he was like, I can't do nothing with a nothing character. Uh, which is what Clara is. And so he made her something, but it didn't make any sense. Right. Uh, so it was just like, that's the kind of things, it's a showrunner's job to catch. To be like, no, this makes no sense. Uh, I mean, if you're going to commit to a blah character, commit to a blah character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I, I really hope Clara goes out with, with Matt Smith. Like, I don't want her to carry over like Rose did. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really worried that she's going to end up carrying over with, to the next Doctor. Like she is, she is planned. Oh no! <laughs> Don't tell uh, me that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's a bummer. That's they, really she is already on the book. She is carrying over to the next Doctor. So that's why I'm saying they have to to deal with her. Um, so. They, they have to make her a person because even if I'm supposed to believe she was a blah character until she went through the whatever at the end. Um, until I, she became the character the doctor made her. Right, yeah. right. She, now I expect her to be the character the doctor made her, right? She had all those experiences. Presumably she's going to remember some of them, right? right. Uh, uh, so if she has known the doctor all this time, it's, it's almost a... They, that could be interesting, right? It's almost a flip of Moffat's stereotypical, like, the doctor always knew Amy. Now right. it's a situation of this girl knows everything about the doctor. Right. Uh, so then they could almost have a relationship of equals. Like, uh, I, I don't know, Ramon, Ramana and the fourth doctor. Well, you know? like they tried to do with, um, with uh, shoot, what's her name? Oh, my gosh. I can't River Song. Like, yeah. They, uh, they destroyed them. They, yeah. Anyway, they tried to do, and at times it was convincing, and then at other times it was not. But they definitely, like, that was something they were trying to do, is set her up as an equal, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like something they tried to do towards the end with Amy, which I just wasn't viable at all to me. And it, it really pushed me into the, I don't like Amy at all sort of camp. Right. As, Which was the interesting about thing about Rose is you always knew Rose wasn't the Doctor's equal, right? right? And same goes for Martha, and like, right? They, you know, I, I mean, I love Martha, but Martha was very much always the person she made herself. Like the Doctor didn't make her anything, which was why I like Martha so much. Like she was great to begin with, she was up to the challenges ahead of her. She chose to leave, and you know, sure, what she did was greater than she would have been able to do without the Doctor because she was put in those situations, but she was never made her... made significant by the Doctor, which I really, really like a lot. Yeah. Um, but, uh... But even so, like, Rose was not... I mean, Rose was made better by the Doctor, but it was done in a way where, like, you know she's not up to the Doctor's level, and she knows it, and he knows it, but she's still important and significant and her own strong character by the end. And you, you don't need to make humans somehow into equals of the Doctor. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I just, I don't like it. Like, I love it when every once in a while, like, once or twice in an episode, they might do something really clever that the Doctor's overlooking, because that's the point, right? Like, that's why he loves humans. Or part of why he loves humans, is how clever they can be, you know? But, yeah. But in and- general, he's more clever. Like, that's the point, right? Like, you can't have them constantly out-clevering him. And I didn't like the fact that so much of Amy's relationship with him turned into that. It was it was like he was 
so much of the time he was basically incompetent except for when Amy was in trouble and needed him, you know? Right. So. Yep. Anyways. I blame Stephen Moffat. Anyways, I think that's enough of that for today. Um, and I, uh, yeah, so we can stop recording now, I guess. Indeed. <laughs> yes. Uh, where's the record button? Yeah, there's mine. Stop.